It's time for the March 11th, 2022 edition of Weekly Signal's Weekly Review. A personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting on this sunny debunking day from the University of California at Irvine in the backyard of KUCI, 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And, as always, the least popular influencer on Instagram, <laughs> Mahler, the fake news dog. There he is. Today, we'll be talking about bats, big cars, Lake Powell, the independent state legislature doctrine, suitcases in space, the Keystone XL pipeline, and then some. But first... What are you going to give up for a Lent, Mike? Oh, wow. Or do you uh, do that? I, I've given up. What I've given up for Lent is caring about Lent. That's what caring I've given up for Lent. Lent. Yeah. But, yeah. But that happened a few years ago. You know, uh, in some small way, it's not such a bad idea to use it as an excuse to reflect on your life. I get that. Yeah. And there's some, some value in that. But, you know, when I was a kid, I gave up sweets. Which was, which was a lie. Well, that's also silly, yeah, it's, too. I mean, like, silly. you're going yeah. to give up chocolate. Chocolate, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. yeah exactly. God's going, wow, <laughs> that took commitment. Boy, that Casper kid's really showing me something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I don't know. What do you? Have you ever given up anything? I'm giving up gas this year. <laughs> that's, yeah. Well, that's a good thing to give up Did, this did year. you ever <laughs> abstain from eating red meat or poultry? Did you ever do that thing? Well, the Catholics didn't eat meet on Fridays. That was a whole thing. Catholics. Catholics. Yeah. During you were Lent. a Catholic. I was, yeah. And you didn't raised... eat re uh, red meat or poultry on, on Friday. On Friday. Yeah. yeah, that was a Friday thing. During Lent, I can't remember a sustained effort to not eat meat when I was growing up uh, or anything like that. Uh, it would have been much more difficult for me if it had been pasta, if that had been something to give up but no i don't think well that's what they want you yeah to i know they we paid you, the idea we, was to yeah. to just have grains and vegetables yeah, yeah but then somebody snuck fish in yeah well because they said fish well the isn't the, meat the italian fishing industry had something to say about uh, you think that's what it was i think there was i read a long time ago that there was some economic component to the whole idea of fish friday i think people just wanted to eat some meat and as yeah, you, you know, they were tired of the vegetables. You know yeah, how yeah, you know folks yeah. go there. Yeah. Did you ever consider putting aside your pagan background? Uh -huh. Did you ever consider some, giving up something for for some oh, other? Oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. My bad habits usually. <laughs> Did, would you like to enumerate any of them that will not get you arrested? The statute of limitations run hurting out on people. Okay, what? Hurting people. Hurting people. Yeah, okay. I don't. Have, <laughs> okay. Don't you, don't you like to hurt people. Yeah. yeah. Well, they used to have those fish Fridays yes. at, at school. Yeah. And, you, and they just served fish and chips. Yes, exactly. Uh, a, which I thought was great. I liked fish and chips. It was, so. always, it was always a deep fried fish. Yeah. 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 So I became a Catholic. <laughs> you, were, you were Catholic adjacent during that period of time. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. I, would, I would fool around with being different yeah, things. Yeah. You know? you were, I was a Jew part of the year, yeah. and I'd be a Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. Catholic curious. Catholic curious. All right. Why can't I just be a Catholic? <laughs> okay, you could be a. Okay, I mean, I'm not an official you can Catholic, be a Catholic. Okay, but you know. All right. You can be a Catholic right. for a day. For a you can day. Be a queen for a day. <laughs> yeah. You can be a Catholic okay. for a day. Okay. All right. I agree. 
in the abstinence rule, the Catholic Church required its members to abstain from eating meat with the idea that people would limit their food to vegetables and grains on Fridays, yeah. like I said. Yeah. You know all about that. But nowadays, this is from the Lafayette Daily Advertiser. <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> the most trusted name in journalism. Yeah. I guess Catholics think they can negotiate with God because they have all sorts of different animal flesh, mm -hmm. which is what I consider meat, yeah. animal flesh, yes. not red meat. When people I say mean, white meat is yeah. still meat. Yeah. When yeah. people say, oh, you're vegetarians. Uh, would you like some fish? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work. That just I never understood. Yeah. I never got that. But yeah, it was... you know what the word veggie in vegetarian <laughs> means? It's it's not fish. Oh, so you eat fish. It doesn't mean that it swims. <laughs> Yeah. If it had parents, okay? That's a good way to look at it. If it had parents, yeah. you shouldn't eat it. Well, that kind of takes away from what a plant can do, though. Are you saying that a well, plant can the, father someone? What is it, the stipend or the stud? What whatever the, the stud, I think. The stud. There's <laughs> the stud plant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. uh, according to the Catholic News Agency, the Archbishop of New Orleans uh, officially recognized <laughs> the alligator as a Lent-safe option. Oh, my God. Archbishop Gregory Amond wrote in 2010 mm -hmm. that the alligator is considered in the fish family. Oh, my God. I mean, he just kind of lays it out. He doesn't do a lot of nuance there. <laughs> uh, the Bishop of Quebec, who was Francois de Laval, mm -hmm. asked his supervisor in Paris during the 17th century if the beaver was considered a fish. <laughs> well. Their answer, yes. <laughs> Beavers are fish. Yeah, yeah. That's, right, all, yeah, that's right, Molly. That's right, Molly. It all depends. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Detroit Free Press. You know Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> they reported in 2019 that Detroit area Catholics have long-standing permission to eat rodent during Lent because there wasn't much else to eat there. Yeah. Rodent. And in Nicaragua. Roadkill. Is that what you're saying? I guess so. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You know, I, apparently. Roadkill Catholics. That sounds like a punk band, doesn't well, I it? I don't think it would be yeah. poverty, is I, I yeah. would assume. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. Or maybe maybe people like rats. I'm sure in some cultures, rats are, mm -hmm. um, you know, a delicacy. In, in, in Nicaragua, iguana and armadillo soups have become a Lenten staple. Iguana and armadillo. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah. rats, armadillos. Speaking of Lent, yeah. you want to talk about Putin at all today, Mike? Well, you know, I thought we might get to him at some point. I don't have anything. I, really? you know, it's yeah. kind of, everybody talks about Putin. Yeah. I think that's what he wants. He and Donald Trump, yeah. you know, they're buddies. When something bad is going on with Donald Trump, right. Putin starts a war. So we distra get distracted. Yeah, maybe something to that. I think that's, uh, yeah. I, by the way, the Donald was on uh, Sean Hannity's program last night. Ooh. It was about 15 minutes of, you know, you know, never things have never been worse. You know, that that was. I mean, he he has. We talked about this much, much of the time when he was president, and that is he has the vocal, the vocabulary of like a third grader. I think that was what it was, third or fourth grader, and oh. it was on full display last night. Uh, it just it was 15 minutes just rambling nonsense. Well, I think he's talking to his demographic. Yeah. 
And he that's likes, the only, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it allows likes, him to have uh, a vocabulary. Yeah. It's, it's, it's best to use that vocabulary yeah. when you're yeah. speaking to his demographic, I think. Yeah. So anyway. Apparently no, it, it works. De death to Putin. Is that about all we need to death say? Death to Putin? Yeah, death to Putin. Death to Putin? Yeah. Well, he's turned out to be a real jerk. No kidding. From the American Association for the Advancement of Science, mm -hmm. a new DNA test has been shown to identify a range of hard-to-diagnose neurological and neuromuscular genetic diseases way quicker and way more accurately than existing tests. Excellent. I feel like my headphones are on wrong here. Uh, are they? Um, yeah. yeah. No, it, it, maybe, it's, maybe it's my goggles. It could be your goggles. Yeah. Okay, yeah. this is better. Yeah. So you got that? They have a new test, a new DNA test that's better than ever before, the researchers said they correctly diagnosed all patients with conditions that were already known, including Huntington's disease. In other words, they took in people they knew had diseases, mm -hmm. and they used this test. These, the doctors didn't know. Other people knew what they It was a blind test. A blind that, test, yeah. Can't... People knew they had Huntington's disease. Gotcha. The doctors didn't know. They gave them the test, and the test showed up positive for Huntington's. So this is a good test. Yeah. Huntington's disease, fragile X syndrome, myotonic dystrophies, myoclonic epilepsies, motor neuron disease, and more. The diseases covered by the test belong to a class of over 50 diseases caused by unusually long repetitive DNA sequences in the person's genes, known as short tandem repeat expansion disorders. They're often difficult to diagnose due to the complex symptoms that patients present with. In other words, yeah. there's they got so many things wrong with them, they can't pick out what exactly they do have. The ta challenging nature of these repetitive sequences and limitations of existing genetic testing methods make it more difficult, too. Repeat expansion disorders can be passed on through families, can be life-threatening, and generally involve muscle and nerve damage, as well as other complications throughout the body. Quicker, more accurate diagnosis for patients avoids diagnostic odyssey yeah i like so, that word diagnostic yeah. odyssey so the so a doctor doesn't go down a trail wondering if he's going to find something in in his yeah. investigation and, and they never find it and they don't find it and, and you're you're sitting there you're presenting what's with, my diagnosis right, dude exactly and it turns into an odyssey rather than just a, a diagnosis yeah by yeah. the by the way let me ask you a question okay do you think that any human being has perfect DNA? In other words, if we did the DNA on every single human being on the planet, wouldn't we find a defective strand of DNA somewhere in there that would indicate some some problem, uh, right? Yeah. Do you think anyone has perfect DNA, aside from Mahler? Yeah, Mahler has perfect DNA. He does. Yeah. But don't you think that that's probably true? That someone, that everybody is defective. Yeah, everyone. Well, then, <clears throat> I don't think there is such a thing as perfect DNA. So your question is well, if the, if we just if we divine that the DNA, each of these strands of DNA have a purpose in our development, in our, uh -huh. in our as human beings. Yeah, I would assume that that they no. would ha they would have a no, no. You don't no what no. no what what do you think no it, you because no it has to? a purpose doesn't mean there's perfection within the purpose well okay should i put it another way that they're you want your way the defective you want, that, i'll that just one, say yes, yes well i think it's easier yes. and better yes quicker mike you are right if it's i think it's quicker if you say that yeah but i do okay i don't think anyone you, has perfect right. dna I, I don't think anyone has 
as well, my, D- my point is, I don't think there is such a thing as perfect DNA. It's not like pitching a baseball game. And even a perfect game isn't a perfect game. I mean, the guy might have had a, a backache during uh, his pitching. It's not a perfect game. No. There's all those things that are a little bit off that are not. The story, and, and perfect doesn't mean it's perfect. The story you just read yeah. was about finding imperfect DNA and, and, imperfect, and, identifi- yeah. and, uh, and identifying. It was about finding DNA that can cause disease. Well, that sounds to me. I mean, I don't think that's built well, into our survival. Word... <laughs> I don't think that's part of our evolution. Maybe to... it's our problem with the word perfect. Maybe non, that's where non, our problem non is. Non-defective DNA. Would that be a better way to put it? Do you think that there are people in the world that have non-defective DNA? Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Com- okay, a complete that's set That's different of non- than perfect. De- uh, anyway, this new test... Well, we went down a diagnostic odyssey. We did. And we gave a good example really did, of a diagnostic yeah. odyssey, and we should come. If you want to see science in action, you want to listen to Weekly Signals every Friday morning from 8 to 9. This new test will completely revolutionize how we diagnose these diseases, since we can now test for all the disorders at once with a single DNA test and give a clear genetic diagnosis, helping patients avoid years of unnecessary muscle or nerve biopsies for diseases they don't have or risk treatments that suppress their immune system. The team expects to see their new technology used in diagnostic practice within the next two to five years. So that's good news. Yeah, it is very good. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. That was tough. <laughs> if this news makes you want to... Whoa, if it makes you feel glad to be alive, yeah. may I recommend a donation to KUCI because right now you're easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech, radio, KUCI. FM. My God, Mahler. From the Washington Post. In southwest Virginia, abandoned coal mines are being transformed into solar installations that contribute renewable energy to the electric grid. Six old mining sites owned by the Nature Conservancy will be some of the first utility-scale solar farms in the region and the nonprofit group hopes it's creating a model that can be replicated nationwide. Good. In 2019, the Nature Conservancy acquired 253,000 acres of forest in the central Appalachian Mountains that it calls the Cumberland Forest Project. It's one small part of the group's efforts in the mountain range, which uh, reaches from Alabama to Canada. Yeah. Okay. The Cumberland Forest includes several abandoned mine sites scattered around Virginia's coal fields region. Solar developers partnering with the Nature Conservancy, such as Dominion Energy and Sun Tribe. Never heard of them. Sounds like a fun tribe to be a part of. That sounds like a great song. Say the mine sites have vast, flat areas exposed to sunlight that are a rarity in the mountains. Yeah. So that's why they're good for solar sites. And the sites offer advantages like being close to transmission lines, too, because they were part of of the the mining operations. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the one disturbing thing you said in that story was, yeah, you said one thing to me that I found disturbing. And that Uh was that these were the first solar farms in the region, given given the 
the diminishment of coal as an industry and people searching for alternative work, yeah. that's ter that's troubling that there was not something more developed sooner than that. Well, but it is happening. That's great. From CNN, the first time since it was filled more than 15 years ago, Lake Powell, the second largest reservoir in the country, is projected to dip past a critical threshold threatening water supplies and putting a key source of hydropower generation at heightened risk of being forced offline as climate change fueled drought continues to grip the western United States. Yeah. As of Thursday, Lake Powell had fallen to just over 3,526 feet in elevation, which is just over 24% of capacity and less than two feet away from the critical level. That's sea level uh, elevation there. It's totally within reason to expect that the next couple of weeks or so for Lake Powell to fall below the critical level. Lake Powell's plunging water level threatens Glen Canyon Dam's capacity to produce hydropower, much like Lake Mead and Hoover Dam. And Glen Canyon Dam provides power for many states, including Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, and Nebraska. So all those states could be affected very soon. Yeah. And then that... 3,520-foot target that I mentioned earlier is crucial because it allows a 35-foot barrier for emergency response to prevent Lake Powell from dropping below the minimum pool elevation of 3,490 feet above sea level, the lowest at which Glen Canyon Dam is able to generate hydropower. Oh, there you go. That's what we're talking about here. Go. All these places would have a severe cut in their electricity, all these states that I mentioned before if this drops below 3,490 feet above sea level. Now, we've talked about this climate as climate damage affects our lives. And this is one example, the Lake, lake Powell going down below a, a certain level. It increases the pressure on government to search for other sources of power, which increases the likelihood of them using fossil fuels because we have not developed a robust enough electrical grid based on solar. Mm -hmm. And the irony of all of that is, as climate damage continues apace, the intensity of the sunlight on the Earth will become increasingly more and more prevalent, giving more reasons, not less, more reasons for us to go to solar and alternative fuels, right? Yeah. I hope so, so. So, in, so. But the inverted logic of these idiots is they'll go looking for more fossil fuel because it's immediate. It's right there and at the expense of developing more solar. Yeah. And this is where we seem, unfortunately, to be headed. And in light of the situation in Ukraine, the, the cries for more development of fossil fuels is insane. And on a better note than that, yeah. uh, from CNET, the Senate on Tuesday passed sweeping bipartisan legislation to overhaul the U.S. Postal Service's finances and allow the agency to modernize its operations. At last, the Is final the, vote was overwhelmingly bipartisan, 79 to 19. Okay. I guess the Republicans are finally catching on to this. The bill now heads to President Joe Biden's desk for his signature. The Postal Service Reform Act, which cleared the House last month by 342 to 92, 
would require retired postal employees to enroll in Medicare when eligible, while dropping a previous mandate that forced the agency to cover its health care cost years in advance. It was like 70 years in advance. Right, right. Uh, Unheard of. At yeah. That, yeah. Those two measures would save the USPS nearly $50 billion over the next decade. The legislation would also require the USPS to create an online dashboard with local and national delivery time data, like UPS and, and uh, FedEx already have. And it also uh, would allow for partnerships to make them banks if they care to. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't establish anything right now, but it frees them up to explore that possibility. Credit unions. They should be partnering with credit unions. Yeah, exactly. If they're going to do that. Yeah, it's a good. So people don't go Not to these. Not B of A. You know, where you want to cash your check and right. you don't have a bank account, you have right. to go to these, whatever they're called. Right. But sharks is what they are. Yeah, they take loan a, sharks or yeah, whatever. No, that's extreme so amount of. of uh, Payday pay lenders. Yeah, yeah, a percentage of what you uh, earn right. just to pass your uh, cash your check. You know, it's interesting because the Republicans have been opposed to this. This is one of the reasons why this hasn't happened. And I think that some of this has to do with the I that post offices across the country disproportionately serve rural areas yeah, where yeah. there are there were for many people, many communities. This is the place where they gather. It's not like they have a large enough metropolitan area for them to do their business. The, the post offices are often there linked to the outside world. And these rural communities, I think, put pressure on the Republicans to come around to something more rational yep. regarding the Postal Service. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. From Slate. You know Slate Magazine. I do. I'm aware of Slate Magazine. The Supreme Court will not overturn a century of pro-democracy precedent and two centuries of historical practice to give state legislatures unlimited power over elections. Yet. This is kind of an important look-out-what's-up-ahead story. Yeah. That's the upshot of the court's orders on Monday in two huge redistricting, redistricting cases out of Pennsylvania and North Carolina. The court refused to block new congressional maps drawn by the high court of each state, declining for now to embrace a radical theory that would give the state legislatures, legislators complete authority over election law. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Both of Monday's orders involve this year's redrawing of congressional maps. State Republicans in Pennsylvania and North Carolina Republicans appealed both court-drawn maps to the Supreme Court, they claimed that these plans violated the U.S. Constitution's Elections Clause, which says that the manner of federal elections shall be prescribed by the legislature. For at least a century, the Supreme Court has read this language to give other organs of state government a say in election law. In other words, it doesn't say exclusively right. the legislature right. shall be prescribed. The federal elections manner shall be prescribed by the legislature. It just says it can be. Right. 
But radical conservatives have devised a theory known as the independent state legislature doctrine that would give legislatures complete control over elections, including voting rules and redistricting. Under this theory, state constitutional provisions governing elections would be null and void, and state courts would have no power to intervene in election disputes, which is wacky. It is. It just cuts the head off of state government and just sets it all in the political mode rather than very, the courts. This is very, very much in the, in the tradition of all of the people who deny the reasons for the Civil War that not being slavery, but was about states' rights. These these are the radical element within the Republican Party that are more concerned about being able to impose their sort of jihadist kind of, of sensibility on individual states. Well, it's even worse in that within those states, the state's courts can't have a say in it. Right. It's only the elected officials. So if Republicans take over a state or any party takes over a state, they can take over the election. And, and this was the, the, the frightening part of the 2020 election, was that Trump and Eastman, his so-called attorney, were pushing this theory for the states to be able to essentially throw out the results yeah. of the presidential election. The legislature alone would set the rules, and in extreme versions of the theory, even dictate the outcome of the election. The Supreme Court has never endorsed this doctrine and has explicitly rejected it as recently as 2015. And there's good reason why. It contradicts the original meaning of the Elections Clause as well as historical practice reaching back to the early days of the Republic. Anyway, it now appears inevitable that in 2023, the Supreme Court will decide whether state legislatures have unrestricted power to rig federal races for Congress and the presidency. Yeah. Justice John Roberts has already disclaimed this theory, meaning the fate of democracy really is in the hands of Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Her vote on Monday suggests she is hesitant to go along with the independent state legislature doctrine scheme, but then again, she might just be picking her battles since her vote would have had no change in the outcome on this last take. If Barrett ultimately sides with the four far-right conservatives on the court, the 2024 elections may be decided before they begin. That would yeah. be in 2023 yeah. Yeah. is when they're taking it on. Right. By the way, has there been a less qualified man on the Supreme Court than Brett Kavanaugh? Seriously? I have is no it? idea. Yeah, well. I've only been living for it's rhetorical. too long. It's and... a rhetorical question. I would assume there has been. Well, I'm sure there has been. Yeah. You Just... are? I'm sure there That's has That's why you asked the rhetorical question. No, I'm question asking, asking the question. Sure Let's, okay, been? hold on. Let me back up. Okay. And just qualified by saying, in the last 25 or 30 years, okay. has there been a, a less qualified candidate mm, sitting on the Supreme Court? No. What's your biggest car you've ever had, Mike? Uh, it's easy. That's, That's an, easy, an easy question. Because yeah. I didn't want to ask about the Supreme Court. All right. A 1965 Pontiac Le Mans convertible. Yeah? That was a big car. Wow. When did you own it? In 1970, 1970. A convertible. It was a conver it was red, fire engine red. Where were you living? Black interior, living up in the foothills, Tahunga. Oh, it was a beautiful okay. car. I looked like I was about twelve. I got pulled over all the time in that car because people I, thought it, you were twelve. Yeah, I thought I was like a, you know a twelve year old driving this car, but yeah, it was a beautiful car. And if I had it today, I would have retired. <laughs> 
Why? Because I could have sold it for a lot of money. It was beautiful. You were tired? I'm just kidding. Those cars are worth a lot of money. They are now. Man. Who knew? Okay. What, 100000 Maybe. I mean, yeah. it was tricked out if it was. I yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they'd be. Yeah. yeah. 70000 They wouldn't get you a house. 60000 70000 They might be able to get you I a move Tesla. To, I'm, I might be able to move to um, the Appalachian Mountains and set up a solar farm for that kind of money. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't think so. Well, from Slate Magazine again, when it comes to oil shocks, humans have the memory of goldfish. That's what they say. Okay. Adjusted for inflation, gas prices did not hit an all-time high this week, but many Americans seem to be gobsmacked. Like, what happened? Mm -hmm. How did we ever get to this mm -hmm. position where gasoline is $6 a gallon? It's Joe Biden's fault. It's all Joe Biden's fault. He was sitting there just trying to figure out yeah, a way exactly. to get this goddamn green with this green new, new deal, deal this radical socialist yeah. communist and, green new deal and so he just let everything go to hell he let it all go to hell maybe we should just change this go into this mode right now <laughs> talk about how bad we can make a lot of money we can maybe i mean it seems like that's how people make money now yeah. it's the goddamn keystone xl pipeline if we only had the keystone xl pipeline all our oil woes would go away. Just ask my dad. Really? Oh, yeah. Is he? Yeah. He really does bring that up. I'm not kidding. He brings it up every once in a while. If it weren't for the, <sighs> the killing the Keystone Pipeline, you know. Well, just tell him to stop it. <laughs> Jeez. The project, first of all, was not operational. No. There was nothing operational about it. It was no. less than 10% complete. No. The Keystone Pipeline was being built to ship shale oil from Canada yeah. to the Gulf of Mexico to be shipped to China. That's right. Do you hear the United States in that equation at all? And the profits were going to Canada. Yeah. Shale oil is the sludge of the oil commodities market. The dirtiest of dirty. American refineries do not want to process and refine it when there's Brent crude. That would be lighter crude available. Yeah. Building the pipeline would take 2,000 workers two years to build. Yeah, 2,000. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Pretty much all after that, it's all maintenance. Exactly. Nobody's getting, yeah. After that, only 35 permanent jobs yeah. would be left. Yeah. Just for manning the stations and checking and repairing leaks. Uncle Joe Biden killing jobs in America. Pipeline would cut out the need for thousands of truck drivers uh, and other workers that haul the oil around now. Yeah. The pipeline also crosses the largest aquifer in the United yes. States. And if a break occurs at that point, drinking water for thousands of miles will be undrinkable. Yes. So $5 a gallon for gas. Yeah. How about $30 a gallon for water? <laughs> yes. For good, clean water. Yes. The pipeline serves one purpose and one purpose alone. That's so increased profits for an oil companies can happen. That's it. That's it. And it hasn't been that long since they last lined their pockets during the real all-time high, the real all-time high, not what's happening now, mm. from 2011 to 2014. This probably will get to be the all-time high, but as soon as it went up, everybody, yeah. because it went up above the $6 mark, yeah. not adjusted for inflation, but just went above the $6 mark, well, you know what? Milk is at an all-time high right now. Yeah. That's that's people don't get inflation or anything, do they? No, no. at least Republicans don't. No, 
Well, Jesus. I don't think they want to. It's just it's an easy thing to say, and it makes some people upset that they're paying more. And I get it. People are paying more for things. Well, then but how come how come they they like Babe Ruth? You know, <laughs> what I'm saying is, you a conservative is going to say the old sixty home runs yeah, yeah. is the real record. Yeah. Or Roger Maris, or whatever, yeah. and and not uh, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. Mark McGuire. Yeah. yeah, Mark McGuire. Whoever hit the three hundred home runs because they were on <laughs> steroids. Why? Why is why? Why is that not a conservative tradition? These are not deep thinkers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Prices did max out. Uh, yeah. just under $4 a gallon between 2011 and 2014, but adjusted against wages or inflation, prices were higher then. Okay, so what if instead of cut down our consumption, what if we just cut down our consumption is what I'm trying to say, instead of all of this nonsense about building a pipeline? <sighs> yeah, how about that? Yeah. How about, yes. This is what people thought would happen. Uh, especially during the last crash in 2008, when Obama took over and created the uh, the uh, auto bail bailout, but also the corporate average fuel economy standards that right, went into right, effect. Right. And they actually thought that people were going to go from SUVs to cars. That was remember. Yeah. I mean, we were still doing this show back then, and yes, people we were. were saying the uh, SUVs were being phased out. Well, no, that's not what happened. No. They're selling more of those than ever right now. In fact, we uh, we did the opposite of going back to, you know, going to smaller cars and sedans. We got rid of sedans. The, uh, the automakers did. And that has to do with us. That has to do with what we desire. They had the Geo Metro back in, what was that, 1980s? Yeah. And it was it got over 50 miles per gallon. It's a good little car. Nobody bought it. Right. I, I think people, at least I, you know, I think people underestimate the power, the enormity of the political power of fossil fuel industry. Yeah. And all you have to do is turn on any sporting event, any major event that a lot of people watch, and every other commercial is about a fossil fuel-related product, yeah. usually cars. And it's just, it has tremendous sway over our political system, and they're not going to go away without a fight. They're not going to give up. Yeah. They're not going to give up this exceedingly dirty, disgusting, horrible way of of generating power. It's just not going to happen. So are gas prices too high or is your car too big? That's the question. Yeah. And speaking of what you were saying about talking about, I'm from Business Insider. Uh, on Monday, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney said the U.S. could come back to the table and help us build the Keystone XL. Kenney added that uh, had Biden not shut down, this is official, the Premier of Canada, who's a jackass, said if Biden had built the Keystone XL pipeline, we wouldn't be having this problem, which is total BS. Total. The Obama administration rejected the pipeline due to environmental concerns. Trump revived the project in 2017 and started it again in 2020. Then the pipeline's developer, TC Energy, terminated the project. Less than 10% of the pipeline had been built. And just uh, a couple of days ago, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, is yeah. that how she says her name? Yeah. Uh, said that resuming the Keystone XL pipeline project would not affect gas prices. 
what we can do to prevent this from being a challenge in future crisis, the best thing we can do is reduce our dependence on fossil fuels and foreign oil. Yeah. What don't people get about this? Meanwhile, ConocoPhillips, Chevron, ExxonMobil, Hess Corporation, and Devon Energy altogether got $1.9 billion back in domestic taxes between 2015 and 2022. Meaning they did They got a tax refund. They, they didn't pay any taxes. The same companies paid $77.2 billion in taxes to foreign governments in the same period. So they're getting taxed elsewhere, and we're giving them special favors. The we're, fact that we still subsidize this industry. Yeah, that's what we're doing. an enormous amount of money is, is unconscionable. <sighs> we have no one to blame but ourselves for where we're going with the climate. We have yeah. no one else to blame. This, this, and this is all about controlling nar the narrative. This is all about disinformation, seizing the disinformation as fact, and then continuing to repeat it over and over again. But when all of this is said and done, the earth is not going to lie to us. They're not, it's not going to lie. It is going to be the cold, hard truth. This will not be sustainable. I don't I sound like a raving lunatic, but... God. Well, that's God, part of God's plan, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's what they'll the say. Idiots are part that's of God's plan. Is it idiotic? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what the idiots will say. Bastards are you know, part this of God's... is all part of God's plan. Yeah. God wanted us to use oil. Yeah. yeah. From the New York Times, a California startup company believes it can one day speed delivery of important items by storing them in orbit. <laughs> say that again. A California startup company right here in Orange County okay. believes it can one day speed delivery of important items by storing them in, no, in orbit. Okay, I got it. The mission to turn space into the next frontier for express deliveries took off from a modest propeller plane above the remote airstrip in the shadow of the Santa Ana Mountains. Okay. Anyway, this place is called Inversion Space. That's the company's name. And it's barely a year old. That's the startup is. It tossed a capsule resembling a flying saucer out an open door of an aircraft flying at 3,000 feet above Lake Elsinore and figures this is the start of their company. Inversion is betting that as it becomes cheaper to fly to space, government agencies and companies will want to not only send things to orbit, but also bring items back to Earth. And so they want to use space as a storage. Yeah, storage <laughs> facility. Like yeah. a... Like a fulfillment center for yeah. Amazon. Is that where we're, where we're going? No, I with think this? it's more like the place down there where you store your. Uh, oh, yeah. Your, your records and yeah, your, your old rocking your meat chairs locker, and yeah. your meat locker and all that. Inversion aims to develop a four foot diameter capsule carrying a payload equivalent to the size of a few carry on suitcases by 2025. Once in orbit, you could bring it back whenever you want to, and it could parachute down to within, they say, 10 miles of where you want it. I don't see how. Why they can't get a little bit more precise than that. The company's founders imagined the capsules could store artificial organs that are delivered to an operating room within a few hours. Okay, I like that idea, I suppose, but do you really have to store them in space? I don't know. This is... Or serve as a mobile field hospital floating in orbit that would be dispatched to remote areas of the planet. And one day, I, this is really what they're hoping for. A shortcut through space could allow for unimaginably fast deliveries. So I'm online. Yeah. I like you want a pound of Humboldt sour diesel, say. Yeah. Yeah, and it just drops out of the sky in five drops minutes. Right out of the sky. Yeah. Like that. No, okay, I, I don't, I'm going to ask a question I don't know the answer to. Yeah. I don't know if you do. 
But do all, does all of this up and down, back and forth through into space, does it have an impact on our protective shell of, a, of an atmosphere? Does it, is it, is it, at some point, does this become something of a problem in terms of just... Well, the fuel well, that I would, would be think, used would. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think that. You mean like puncturing holes? Well, I don't think it literally <laughs> punctures a hole, but does it have an impact on this very important part of I, living I would just say it would have to do with the atmosphere itself, the yeah. fuels that are yeah, yeah, being dispersed. And the junk, out. I assume there's a lot of junk. Oh, the junk, yeah. What, it wouldn't be junk. It would just. It would be like you know. You, you say you got tired of uh, holding on to all those old records you have. Yeah. And you put them in a box and send them up in space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. That, that would. Yeah. It, yeah. You could run into it eventually. That's the other thing I don't understand. It's not exactly like there aren't other things in space. And I mean, what are we going to just have radar that tells us where everything is so we don't bump into your album collection? <laughs> exactly. Or aren't there already thousands of pieces yeah. of just junk that's fallen off satellites and all kinds of stuff? They're up there whirling around, right? I mean... Uh, yeah. I know it doesn't make any money, but can't people just consider not to have as much stuff? And can't people just consider not to use as much gas and have smaller cars? Can't what's with all this consumption and bigness? Why do people live in five thousand square foot homes? Bigger is better, and biggest is best. Mm -hmm. And finally, from the Huffington Post, moviegoers in Austin, Texas, got to see more than one type of bat during the screening of Batman this weekend. This sounds like something that was set up, but yeah, yeah, to to boost the Batman franchise because I'm talking about it now. Yeah, I hate Batman. Yeah, pretty much me too. What a tool! What a tool! An actual bat was spotted swooping around inside the theater, putting the movie on pause while management called animal control and tried unsuccessfully to get the bat out. Guests were offered their money back, but most chose to stick it out and watch the film with a bat flying around. What would you, would you stay? I probably wouldn't have stayed. Yeah, with a bat flying around? I, 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 you, you hear that they might be rabid. I don't know. No, if they're saying too... not that. This only like yeah, you know, it's a very not... slim chance yeah. of a rabid bat. Yeah. Okay. Well, just yeah. the idea. You know. The theater's general manager, Heidi Deneau, said that they will be adding additional security and checking all bags upon entry for bats. <laughs> You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.